Eventually, I was cleaning. I'm in Amsterdam, which is. And then the bottom of the cedar chest. So, in that nine year period, I discovered a Thank you. 
one of those things where some of the very worst things that ever happened to you turn out to be the best thing. Mm-hmm. So that was my journey. I started life coaching school four days later because they had, I was the second last person admitted into the class. They just only had two seats left and um, went on that. It was like a year long journey to become a coach and then, you know, study and certify. Um, a few years later, I went, I applied to become a master coach and where they, they train a couple hundred coaches a year. Um, mm-hmm. They only select 12 to be in the master coach program. So wow. it's been the universe wanted me to do that. I was selected and went on another year long journey with that to, um, co- you know, certify um, of all the while coaching clients. Mm-hmm. And then um, my business has morphed um, as I've realized how my experience helps my clients, I'm, it made me very multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, very interesting. When you are a multi-passionate, multifaceted person, um, we tend to also have the gift of synthesization. We mm. have our fingers and toes into 20 different things at any given time. And so, but we're fast learners. We love to learn. We love to absorb information. Mm-hmm. And so we absorb something from each of those 10 to 20 places and then we synthesize that information and apply that knowledge in some way to each of those 10 or 20 places our fingers and toes are in. Uh, so it's, it's been a beautiful journey. I've been able to help clients in so many different ways because I have such a vast experience. And there's always something I can bring up that is helpful, you know, in addition to all the tools that oh, I have in my toolbox. Yeah, and your personal, your personal experiences will affect whatever career or whatever job you have. And it's really, and it can't be discounted, but unfortunately I think that for it's traditional or it seems normal to discount your personal, your personal events when you're in a corporate position, because that's personal. And then this is business and never the twain should meet. You know, something interesting that you said 
And so when you went through all of this and when this, that not the beginning of that nine year process, that was really before social media was so much of a thing, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you said something that was interesting that, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with and maybe, I don't know if it's the challenge with social media or whatever that is, is that, um, hold on, I have to plug my computer and you think I would have figured that out before we started, um, is that. Well, how we look on the outside is not how we feel on the inside. And every, you know, we, right now we can refer that to a social media, your profile and your Instagram account, and everything looks beautiful. And, you know, people are taking pictures of themselves in front of these waterfalls or cliffs just before they fall off and die. But still, they're taking these ridiculous pictures or they're making their life look so picture perfect. But on the inside, there's so much turmoil. It's true. You know, one of my, the things I told my children when they started getting active on social media and I've shared with many teenagers as well as adults is be careful to never compare your insides with someone else's outside. Mm, I love that. Never. Can you say that again? That was really wonderful. Be very careful never to, to compare your insides with someone else's outside. Wow. That's, that's everything. Yeah. Because yeah. what happens is there's a little rhyme compare and despair. That's what follows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it makes us feel more alone. It doesn't make us feel like we're in a shared experience. And yeah, and inadequate. The same way inside. Yeah. Yeah, that inadequacy comes in too. You know, wow, they're so they're so this or they're so that, and that, then you start to think, well, I'm not any of it. When that's not true. That's not true at all. That's not true. Yeah, either. and that's that love hate relationship with social media. <laughs> So very true. Yeah. And so, well, I want to touch on that piece as you're, when we get into, you know, as you help clients through, but for, can you let people know and let the listeners know what somebody has to go through to be a coach? Because there are, there are coaches, there are probably as many coaches as I find in, as a financial advisor, as their financial advisors. Right. And so, um, and, but that's not bad. The more you have of something, the more opportunity there is for, for everyone. And so many think, so many people will think, well, you know, why should I be a coach if there's so many coaches there, everybody, there's no more business left, but it doesn't, the more there is, the more there is, right? Yes. There's a couple of things about that. One is, well, I'm, I mentor new coaches and mm-hmm. that is one of the most, the first fears that come up. Who am I to be doing this? There's so many other great coaches. Why would anybody ever hire me? Right. And um, it is because of our unique circumstances, um, you know, that we have stories that through story and our coaching tools, each we can help individuals. Mm -hmm. And not every person jives with everybody else. And not every person has an experience that, that, you know, that someone else has. They want, a person who's looking for a coach wants someone who's been where they are and Mm -hmm. is where they want to be, right? in some way. So what we're doing as coaches is we are working with former versions of ourselves and we have so much love for them because we're like, I know you, you're me. <laughs> like I know you. And, and you so, authentically show up. You authentically show up. This is why you, you tell your stories. You, you show your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't just stick to the coaching tools, you know, and that's not, you know, I, I, when I became a master coach, we had to coach with whatever was in the room. It was part of our final five-day exam mm. after the year where, like, okay, see, find something on a table and use it to coach. You've got five minutes. Go. 
right? So I'm like picking miniature candy bars up, asking someone to put the boundaries around them where they are and where they want them to be. That counts. That's coaching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But what we can do as coaches is we can, we can take someone as far as we've come, as far as we've come. We know the way. I'm like, we're like Sacagaweas. Come with us. We'll be your guide. Well, you, we can't go through the wilderness for you, but we can go with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you know, it was, there's so many different coaching schools. Some have certifications attached, some do not. Some require you to have a mentor, which would be a experienced coach or maybe a master coach, I'm like me, um, and some do not. So not all education is the same when it comes to learning coaching tools. And some coaching is specifically more narrow for like leadership coaching to, to coach leaders and executives. Mm-hmm. And some coaching is more just human oriented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some coaching is group oriented, you know, more team, team coaching, right? And it's very different. And whatever you are naturally suited to do it, and that you feel that's like, feels like pull as a coach, mm-hmm. that's what we do. And true, really good coaches are never in competition with each other because mm-hmm. we're all here doing the good, the good work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in some way, right? Um, it's like, you know, probably priest or rabbi don't compete with one another just like yeah come on in somewhere we'd love we'd love to help make a difference in you in your life right so that's how coaches are and there's a coach for everybody mm-hmm. um and it's really finding someone not who promises you everything but someone who you feel you resonate with just like you would resonate with a, a best friend or a new acquaintance and you feel like oh my god i know you i get you somehow and you get me mm-hmm. like i don't know how this happened i met you like five minutes ago right that feeling that's how you know that's the coach for you. And, and that's, I, I love how you said that, the, uh, that they, they resonate with you or you resonate with them. It's a two-way street, so it really has to be both ways. But for me, you know, I'm a, my ego gets in the way a lot. <laughs> and I can do this myself. Oh, I can do this myself, right? And it took me a really long time to let that att- attachment to that go and realize that I need a coach. And, and what happened, which really surprised me. So when I started with, with my coach, we had our first meeting and I'm like, I don't know what this is supposed to do. (laughs) I know I need you, but I don't know why. But at the end of our first conversation, it was like this light bulb came on and everything became, everything that was murky became clear. And now all of a sudden I knew, oh, this is why maybe some piece of intuition said I needed one right now because of this reason, right? And this is why I needed it. And now, and it brings this level of, you all are so amazing because what you do and you're able to bring out the things in us that are already here, right? And provide clarity and direction. Uh, I think everyone needs one once you set yourself to the side like I had to. Steve Jobs has a video that says everyone should have a life coach because <laughs> um, he was so uh, experienced and, and successful with one as well. And, um, and I, but you brought up a really good point about um, readiness. There was a mm-hmm. big point where you weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I have this metaphor I use and I wrote a couple eBooks about it, um, about, um, being on the island, I have an ebook called Why You Don't Belong on the Island of Playing It Safe. Mm-hmm. 
And first of all, because that's not the place from which you can realize your dreams or make your mark on the world and give your gifts. So Mm -hmm. start, we get, we get on that Island here and there. So Mm -hmm. where are you on the Island? You could be in one of three places and the the places have to do with readiness and, you Mm -hmm. know, and you're not going to hire a coach until you're really ready to get off that Island. Okay. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you might be what I call an Island dweller. And an island dweller is someone who, and I've been there, this is how I'm so familiar with island dwellers, and an island dweller is is sitting there saying, there's a jungle surrounding me, I don't want to get up, That's, it feels unsafe to me. Just mm-hmm. saying right here, as much as I realize I'm pit, sitting in a pile of muck, and I don't like this pile of muck, it's at least familiar, it's less scary. So this is the the victim place, almost. And where like they're hoping and waiting for someone or something else to change. Um, and the something else might be till I'm not as afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Or it could be circumstances have to change. Something outside of myself have to change. Um, and I was there a very long time. It's a very, the most powerless place there is. Because you have no understanding of your own power when you are in this place. Sometimes people know they're in the place, but they say, I'm, it's not time for me. I get that I'm settling. Okay. I understand. I know there's something better for me. I know I'm supposed to be doing something and helping myself, but all I can do right now is just sit here in this pile of muck. And when I'm ready, I'll get up. So some people are at that place, but either way, they're island dwellers. They're going to stay in the silence for now. Then there's the dock seekers and they're like, okay, they're the ones who said, wait a minute, I think this pile of muck that I'm sitting in is my own. And I don't want to be hoping and waiting anymore. I want to do something. I want to help myself. So they are in, in an empowered place, right? I'm going to help mm-hmm. myself. So they want to get up and look around the island. Is there a way off? I'm looking for the dock. I am a dock seeker. And the dock seekers are the ones that want to help themselves. They're the ones listening to podcasts. <laughs> They're the ones watching videos. They're the ones picking up books, making small investments, or maybe a, a $49 course, right? Something mm-hmm. like that. Because they say, I'm smart. And I want to help myself because I don't want to be that that island dweller anymore. I'm helping myself. And so it's a very important rite of passage to be helping yourself first before you ask Mm -hmm. for help from someone else. So they want to get as far as they want to get on their own. They're smart, they're capable, right? So I spent a lot of years as a dock seeker as well. And then what happens, but but the switch that flips between island dweller and dock seeker, it's an internal switch. You know, when I do my marketing, there's no email I can send to flip that switch for somebody. There's no nurturing sequence that's going to do that job. It's an internal switch. When you're ready, you'll feel it. That's how you know, and you've moved to the next stage. Then the doc seekers have an internal switch that may flip as well. I can't nurture that either. (laughs) However, when it flips, they become an adventure. And it flips because either they say, I've done all I can. I've done a lot. I've come a long way and I'm ready for something more. So I'm ready to learn from an expert and work with mm-hmm. an expert. Or mm-hmm. they say, I haven't learned all I can, but I'm suddenly impatient and I don't want to wait any longer. I want it now. In which case the same switch flips and they become an adventurer. An adventurer says, you know what? Bring it, bring it on. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I feel this responsibility to be to leave a good legacy for my children, to show them when you want to change, you grab it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel this responsibility to give my gifts to the world. I don't know what they are, but I'm ready to know. I want to know my, per- my, my purpose. I want to discover what I'm passionate about. I want to find and 
how that is my purpose, and then I want to be able to package that in a way that can make a mark on the world. And I also, at the same time, because and kind of people are my kind of people, um, <laughs> are like, and I also want to live a balanced, rewarding life. So I want I have big things to do, but I don't want to be out of balance while I'm doing these big things. I don't want I'm, I don't want to be overwhelmed. I don't want to be stressed out, right? So they say that I don't know how to do on my own. Like I'm smart, I'm capable, but I I can't go big and be balanced. Like that that seems counterintuitive. I would like to work with an expert, and that's when they'll seek out a coach. Mm-hmm. So those are like the stages that we we go through. Um, and I think a lot of people can resonate with that. I, I can see myself in all of those stages and, you know, even just sitting on the dock going, okay, at, at, at what point am I going to go? What I'm doing is okay, but it's not, it's not catapulting me to where I need to be. It's not efficient. Right. There's a, there's almost a lack of balance on the dock. Yeah. Right. I think you're right. That's yeah. And in, in that, in that lack of balance, whether the dock is tippy or my, or just that lack of balance, you need something to be able to put everything back into the correct perspective. Cause you think it's in the right perspective, but you don't really know until you talk it out with somebody or have somebody that's unattached, listen to what you say and also listen to what you're not saying. Very true. Right? <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So who, What's your best niche or how do you help clients the most in what areas? Okay. So um, the who and the how are really unique and different. So the who, I'll make, I'll give you a mouthful and I'll explain it in pieces. Multi-passionate conscious expanders. <laughs> okay. Okay. That is a mouthful. Isn't it? Okay. So Say it again. Say it again. Multi, multi-passionate conscious expanders. Okay. Okay. So multi-passionate people. Uh, Barbara Shear calls us scanners. If, you, if, if it resonates with you, pick up her book, Refuse to Choose. Okay? Um, a scanner or multi-passionate person is someone who is hardwired to jump from thing to thing. We mm-hmm. do not have adult ADD. No. We have a wide, diverse set of interests and passions. Everything seems fun. We don't do it all because we have to do it all. We do it all because we want to do it all. Mm-hmm. It's all exciting. And we jump from one thing to the next to the next. Um, I actually today earlier gave a time management for multi-passionate conscious expanders, um, you know, uh, webinar. And I said, the reason you are, this is probably your 25th time management webinar or course, isn't it? And they all said, yes. I said, if what they were teaching was working, you wouldn't be here. (laughs) So you must be a multi-passionate conscious expander. So the multi-passionate people are, um, and people. Um, and, and, and we want to, we want to do this and that, and this, and that it all feels like fun. Mm -hmm. And then the conscious expander people, which is the, also another type of person, but the people I work with are tend to be both conscious expanders are people like everyone's growing and learning and failing forward. We all do that, but conscious expanders are deliberate. We are deliberately expanding. We are expanding. We are hungry for more. We are expanding emotionally. We are expanding mentally. We are expanding um, spiritually. We are expanding our impact on the world. We're expanding our knowledge. So we are more kind of people, more kind of people who have more joy, more life in our life, more impact in the world, right? We want to do more, be more, and have more of those things that light us up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now when you're an and person and you're a more person, there's a unique set of challenges, <laughs> And the people who I work with feel that 
weight of responsibility of getting their gift out into the world in some way. They mm. feel it, and it's like Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. And they're like, darn, I've been trying to, you know, dodge this this bigness inside of me for years, and it's starting to catch up with me, and I know I'm going to have to do something about it. But sometimes they don't know how or what it is, because, like, when I was in the corporate life, I was only basically, um, you know, left brain. Like I, everything was like, Oh, what could I do? I, I can make a heck of a spreadsheet. Whoa. You should see how good I am with, with spreadsheets and finance and computers. And I was a programmer for a while. Um, so I did all that cerebral stuff and it wasn't until I left the corporate world that I, I gave my right brain permission to turn on mm. and recognize that I'm pretty equal left and right brain and, and that creativity. And, you know, I needed to turn that on in order to find what I was passionate about in, and in order to find, to land on my purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting way that this happens. So the people that I work with have something important to give the world. Uh, I've worked with um, um, world-class musicians, uh, famous musicians that travel the world. Um, you know, I've worked with uh, physicians. I, mm -hmm. you know, so it, I've worked with um, graduate students who feel like that they have, something big, young, young. I've worked with mayors, um, right? So like, it's, it's not a demographic at all. It's, it's the, that something inside them, they know it has to get out. And how I do it is as diverse as the people that I work with. Mm. Um, I use straight coaching tools often. I have made my own. What is a straight tool. coaching tool? Uh, like a, a coaching tool that I would, would have learned, like um, the work by Byron Katie. Um, you know, that's like a, a pretty famous one that people might know about. So that is a, an amazing, that's when I self-coach, that's the tool I use. It's an incredible tool. <laughs> I use a metaphor tool. I use a dream analysis tool, things that I learned in coaching school mm -hmm. um, and in match, master coaching school. Um, so I use those, but, and that's pure coaching. However, I'm a teacher at heart. So I teach as well. And I I'm a public speaker and I, my workshops are immersive. You don't just sit and listen. You got to do because you got to go within. It's like that book. If you don't answer the questions, I can't help you. The answer's in you. And my job is to shine my bright, shiny light on the, you know, inner recesses of your inner wisdom so that you can see what's in the corners. It's all there. It's all inside you. Right. So um, that's, you know, that's, you know, part part of it. But then also the, the other way that I also help people, I've been a ghostwriter for a book. Let me help you get your gift to the world. You, you don't know how to write or you're not good at writing. I'll pull it out. I'll write. You talk, I'll write, you know? So I've done things like that. Um, I have tricked people into uh, starting their business plan because I had a client who had a benefactor. Yes, who had a benefactor who said, um, I'm going to give you this much money to do this, this artistic project you want to do, but I need to see your business plan and how I'm going to get my money back. So he sat on this for like a year because he was like, oh, I don't know how to do a business plan. I'm an artist. How do I know how to do a business plan? I'll hire someone to do it. And I said, nobody can do it for you, you know, and mm -hmm. he didn't like that answer. And I, so I asked him, it was about um, cutting a CD, right, producing a CD. And I said, so... Um, you know, why do you want to, why do you want to cut a CD? And he started lighting up. And of course I record all my client sessions to give to them to listen to. And he's lit up and he talked about it for five minutes. And I recorded the start and end time of when he talked about it. So that's fantastic. And when the CD is all done, where 
would you like the music to be? Do you want it in commercials and movies? Like where? He lit up. He started talking for another five minutes. I recorded the start and end time. And then I gave him his homework. I said, your homework is from this time to that time. That is your mission statement. Mm-hmm. And your homework from this time to that time. That is your vision statement. So you write both of those up. That's the first thing you do with the business plan, and then we'll work on the rest next time. So I tricked him into it. Um, Yeah, because if you had said, okay, we're going to talk about a business plan, and you asked those same questions, the answers would not have been so emotional. Exactly. Wow. That's really great. Yeah. And so, you know, how do I help my clients? How don't I? You know, I actually did a software implementation for a not-for-profit that I'm I'm on the board for, and... um, that's how I help them give their gift to the world because I was, you know, I was a programmer and an analyst and I know how to do that. So you can be a client too. Right? So, you know, it's so interesting. How do I help my clients get, get their gift out into the world and make their impact in whatever way me is needed. And because I'm a multi-passionate conscious expander, I know how to do a lot of diverse, seemingly unrelated things. So, and, um, and you're not a quitter. Oh no. Tenacity and resilience um, are gifts that people who have gifts to give to the world tend to have. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we got that. And mm-hmm. there's no giving up. I didn't start life coaching school thinking, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be a coach. I hope, I hope it works out. No. Two months into training, I quit my six-figure-year job. My parents thought I was nuts because I'm, you know, supporting three kids on my own. Like, what do you mean you quit your, your job? You know, I'm like, well, I'm going to be a coach. And I don't have enough capacity to to work full time, be a single mom and learn a brand new career that I know I'm going to rock at. Like I don't have time to do all of that. There's no capacity. Something's got to give and, and, and the corporate job's going to be given anyway. So might as well jump ship now. Mm-hmm. And it's like that bird who goes out on the limb, not because it trusts the limb not to break, but because it trusts its wings to fly. Mm-hmm. I said, I was 45 years old at the time. And I looked back and I said, when I got out of college, I had, one asset that was a piece of crap car worth about $800, you know, no jobs, you know, no jobs. All I had was a college degree and an $800 car. That's it. And the world was my oyster. And I was like, so I could, I trusted myself. I'm like, oh, I could do anything. Mm-hmm. And here I am 45. I used to be younger and stupider. I am older. I am more experienced. And look what I've already accomplished, how far I've come, how much I've amassed. And that is the question that people need to ask themselves. How far have I come? What have I, you know, brought into fruition in this world? Let's, let's pull from that. That's where that, when you recognize just how strong you are and what you're capable of, and that's how you trust your wings to fly. That's wonderful. And, and, you know, I think that we're all so conditioned, right? You, you know, go to school, get an education and get a good job. And then you have a job and then you go to find another job. It's probably going to be very similar to what you were doing before, maybe a little different. But it is always that, that mindset of working for somebody else. But it's, it's so difficult to make that much of a difference when you, are, when you are working for somebody else's concept or somebody else's idea. You're not able to spread, spread what you need to do within the confines of that job, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, because the goals aren't set by you. They're set mm-hmm. by somebody else. And they're not because of a need that's near and dear to your heart, most likely, <laughs> you know, that, you know, you can fill. So it's not as rewarding. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, I have, I've had many clients who knew they wanted a job change. They, they knew they felt like it's got to change. I can't do this anymore. 
and um, they thought they were pigeonholed. I only know this, mm-hmm. you know, I like work with an attorney. I can only do this, you know, are you sure? So we can deep dive into the skills behind it to find how else, once you know what those skills behind it are, and who you are, then how else can you apply it? Mm-hmm. Or in one case, um, I had a woman executive who was, she's the only woman on the floor. And um, she felt that she was not treated equally. And she was at the executive level. She was not a peon, you know, or saying, oh, the boys club, you know, she was real. She had worked her way up this corporation and she got to where she, you know, was meant to be. That's why she was promoted there. Mm-hmm. But yet she felt this inequities. She felt as if she wasn't really included. You know, she was like odd, odd woman out. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and she came to me because she said, I can't do this anymore. This is, it's, I, do, I dread going to work every single day. I really, I don't know. I don't know what it is. What, you know, what, what do I do? Right. So we started working together, trying to help her discover her what's next or her find her, find your wow, I call it. And the path to finding your wow is you start with yourself. <laughs> so you have to discover who you are now and what you want now. And so we start there. And then we, coaching is a reductive process. We're removing what's unneeded. We, we got to get, get rid of the schmutz so your inner light can shine. So as we're removing the schmutz and repairing her sense of worthiness and all the other beautiful things that coaches help people do, um, she started to see herself differently. So she started to show up differently. Mm, and all of a sudden, these other, these male executives started asking for her opinion. They started you know, wanting her advice. They started running things by her. They stopped giving her the the, the crap part, you know. Mm-hmm. And she came to me, you know, and she said, I love my job. <laughs> and all, what she didn't, what she recognized the change I needed wasn't a career change. It was a change within myself. An interchange. An interchange. And how she viewed herself. And how she saw herself and how she showed up which is a result of how you see yourself and how you feel about yourself. And also there's also a component of, of once you understand yourself, it's naturally, you can naturally understand others way better than you ever have. And mm-hmm. you can change a relationship without the other person, even knowing you're doing anything or changing themselves. You can take a relationship that to go from stressful to wonderful without the other person changing just by getting to know yourself because then you get to know other people when you get to know yourself you get to you give yourself a break you give other people a break you understand what makes you tick you start to understand what makes them tick it's a beautiful process that's fantastic and so so tell me what the the importance of the outdoors and in your transition and how it helped you going through so many difficult times and and how that's transitioned to now so um, I think it's something's in my blood. When I was a little girl, I just wanted to be in the woods. I mm-hmm. always wanted to be in the woods. I'd go off by myself, you know, or climb a tree, be in the tree. I don't want to be under the tree. I want to be in the in tree. The tree. <laughs> so there's always been something about nature. And I, I would go camping when I was a little kid. You know, summer camp, parents would send you away. I wanted the outward bound one. I wanted the one with the backpack and the tent and, you know, making your own stuff and just the smell of the woods after mm-hmm. the rain like there was just something that's always been there but when i moved you know like past college and you know through college and into my adulthood life i really lost touch with nature mm-hmm. uh, because i was going to the city i was driving to the you know walking on the concrete coming back home you make dinner you know and you know maybe once in a while take the kids to the park but 
you know, it was, it wasn't so, I didn't have the time, I didn't have the capacity, I didn't have the energy <laughs> to do anything more. Um, and then um, when my husband died, um, we had uh, some cottages that we rented out at the lake and I decided to make it our own, our own house uh, for the, for me and the kids for our healing. So we would spend the weekends there and I would just go to the beach and listen to that water and just sit there. And I wanted to go when no one was at the beach. I want to go when it was like, I was like all alone and take the kids and we'd sit on the lifeguard tower and we watch the sunset and just be quiet, maybe a couple of seagulls. And, and I would just sit there and it was really amazing for my healing um, when my husband passed away. Mm-hmm. And then when I got the courage up to quit my job, um, I realized that I had been on go, 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 probably since kindergarten, right? When does it stop? Did it stop in between there? No, Harry was 45 years old. And I was like, I think it might need to stop. And I'm in school, but it's not full, t- full day long school for becoming a coach. You mm-hmm. know, it's a couple days a week for about an hour and a half and then some homework and studying. So I spent a lot of days just sitting, you know, on the porch with my toes in the grass. I would take walks um, for no reason at all. I just get in my car, drive to a big park, take walks. That whole summer, I took so many pictures of just my feet in the background, whatever I could see. Here I was by the lake. Here I was, you know, by this pond. Here I was in this, by these trees, you know. And I, I experienced that spaciousness that I had been craving, that freedom that I needed so much, that ease, that, you know, everything that was the opposite of how I was feeling, mm-hmm. you know, before. Um, and I found it all in nature. Mm-hmm. And to this day, uh, I get outside probably five or six days a week. We took a beautiful hike, three mile hike the other day down, up and down some woods. And we got a little lost, but all the trails eventually get you out. You know? It was only supposed to be a mile and a half turned out to be three, whatever. It was fine. Um, you know, and, um, you know, I've now almost all of our vacations, I'm, I have a, 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 I am, I've been with John for almost 13 years. So yeah, we're, we're together and we love nature. He's a nature photographer and we just get out all the time. The vistas we've, you know, been to Utah, New Mexico. We just like get out, get around, take photos um, and just, and, and take walks every single day. Like we're always out there and it is what part of the balance. And it gives me that smell still brings me, I'm like, I still love this. I'm still a nature baby. There's a reset that happens, isn't there? A complete reset. And sometimes yeah. when it's, I'm like, like frenetically working, blah, 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 and it's like, oh, it's four o'clock. We're going for a walk. And I'm like, oh, I really want to just finish. It. <sighs> All right, I'll go for the walk. And I'm, I don't want to, I'm like a little aggravated, like, oh, I didn't finish my thing. Right. And then we get there and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. It changes. It changes. And that reset is really important. It's funny because I, um, a couple of weeks ago, I went on vacation for two weeks and we were go, 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 go. And a lot of it was lots of city walking and I'm not a city person. So it was kind of fun to, to experience the city and it, but you don't realize how much of that city energy you were, you're absorbing. And we were, we were um, almost done. We only had a couple of days left in the trip and we were in the city. And then all of a sudden just ended up in this huge park and I walked into the park and it took my breath away. Mm-hmm. We we're covered with trees and I couldn't believe how much city energy I had absorbed. And it was just almost frantic. Right. And I yeah. stepped into the park and 
it brought me to tears. I was like, oh my gosh, it was, it was a reset button that I didn't recognize that I needed. So amazing. Yeah. You know, what you kind of brought up is everyone's a little bit empathic. We're all sponges in some way of Mm -hmm. other people's energy, you know, just of energy. We're energetic beings. And if you are a more highly empathic person, it's very hard to not absorb the energy of other Mm -hmm. people. And so when you're in a city where it's bustle, 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 even when people are excited about what they're doing, it's a very high buzz, right? Mm-hmm. And you're absorbing that high buzz and it's, it can be exhausting. And, and you don't realize how much you are until right. something resets. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. But then you go into nature and that's got a different energy. You mm-hmm. know, you're absorbing that. And that is a very beautiful energy. That's the space because we cannot solve the puzzles we need to solve at the time we realize it's a puzzle because we're in a certain mindset. We mm-hmm. can't do it from there because if we could, it wouldn't have been a puzzle. It would already have been solved. We, can't, we just can't do it from there. We need to invoke our imagination, our creativity. We need to give ourselves some space. And so the, we can solve puzzles by taking a time out and getting into nature. And um, like, to, if you want to slow down your mind, like I, I say, I, I love listening to music, but let me give my attention to the nature instead of the mm-hmm. music right now. So I don't listen to anything when I'm in nature. I listen mm-hmm. to the nature. And, Me too. and it's amazing if you say, I wonder how many layers of sound I hear. And you start focusing on that. How many different shades of green do I see right now or tan or, or blue do I see right now? What is the smell? Like you invoke all your senses, you know, and it will ground you in a way that all those thoughts will just let go of you. You cannot have monkey mind when you are engaging your five senses. No I like mind. that. There's no room for a monkey mind. There's no room, yeah. And I, when I hike, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't listen to music. Just like you said, it is how many, how many birds, you know, how many birds are singing and what's going on. And, and to be honest, a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have heard the mountain lion screech at me if I had something in my ears. Oh, <laughs> Holy cow. That, was, that, was a, that was a fun experience. So, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so um, how do, so when you're meeting with clients, it's virtual and in person or mostly virtual? Mostly virtual because I work with people all over the world. I was going to ask um, you that. I figured so. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had an office. I've had three or four different office spaces before COVID. Um, and so, you know, I had my local clients I'd always see in person. Um, and I still can. I have a home office as big. It's got a couch and a piano in it. So my home office is pretty big. I could still see my, my clients, you know, in person. But I work with people all over the world. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zoom's been the thing even pre-COVID, and I should have bought stock. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Not the first time I heard that. Yeah, I'd been using it for a couple of years before, so I already knew it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So how do people find you? Oh, well, that's pretty easy. Uh, my website is lindabucher.com, so L-I-N-D-A-B-U-C-H-E-R.com, and I have a contact us form um, you know, page on that website. So if someone wants to send me a little note and they want to talk with me for half an hour, we can set up a chat. That's no problem. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Perfect. And we'll make sure we put all of your contact information, your social media information in the, in the show notes as well. And, um, but I want to really thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and sharing your passion for what you do. It's been, it's been really impactful. 
thank you for the opportunity to let me tell my story and tell a little bit about what I do and who I do it for. And I hope in some small way I've, you know, invoked a change in someone today for the positive, you know, inspired or something. So thank get somebody on the dock or make them decide to get off the dock. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe they can feel they're ready. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much today, Linda. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. And so now we transition to Lynn and her rising up segment. So Lynn, what, what wonderful words do you have to share with us today? Wow, Jean, what a great episode of Discover Rising Tides today. I've been sitting here listening and enjoyed so much everything Linda said. I just absolutely feel like I've just had this huge, wonderful gift given to me listening to you guys today. So thank you for my being here and getting this opportunity. I want to talk today about color. Linda just mentioned a couple of minutes ago about going into nature with your senses open. And I've been thinking a lot about color. I live in Kentucky and this time of year, there is a predominant color. <laughs> it's everywhere, but color's everywhere anyway, right? And it's easy to take color for granted, I think, we, you know, because it's everywhere. And so um, there's no doubt, too, that color has a profound effect on us, right? We could read studies about that, but none of us need to. We've probably all had that experience of feeling low energy on a gray day. I almost said a gloomy day, right? Because that's how we talk about a gray day. Um, but no matter where we live or where we visit, there are colors in the natural environment. And so this past week, we had a lot of rain in Kentucky. And I opened my window and was just stunned by the green. All of a sudden, it was so green outside. And green is one of those colors, it represents vibrant life. And, and the word that came to mind when I opened my window that day was lush. It was just abundant and lush. And green is a, a representation of growth and, and healthy growth, right? And it just made me feel so motivated. I felt so invigorated. And I remembered, I have a cousin who lives in New Mexico, and she came one year in July to visit me in Kentucky. Well, July is a particularly green time. And she was like, how is it so green, <laughs> right? And, and it just really affected her. And she really noticed it coming from the colors of the desert. So there are, we all know what that means, the colors of the desert, the colors of the beach, the colors of the mountains. And then there are different mountains. You know, my, my home mountains are the Blue Ridge, and they look different than the colors of the Rockies and, and all of that. And so, you know, I invite you this week to just notice the colors of nature around you. Um, ask yourself, what, are they, what do they mean to you? Um, just like what the green brought up for me, I felt invigorated. I felt motivated. Um, what is color saying to you this week? And then when is it inspiring the good stuff, right? When is it inspiring you to feel gratitude and happiness and growth? And, and so I just invite our listeners to ask yourself the question, how is color speaking to you this week? I hope that helps 
uh, with rising up. I hope that it's part of how the outside makes the inside better. Thank you so much, Jean, for having me. I love being a part of uh, our podcast here. Wonderful today. I love it. And I, I, uh, everything green, I, you know, it's funny. I can't even make a sentence now because all I can think about is green. And, <laughs> and here in California, things are so turning to, starting to turn to the dry side and the green mm. is disappearing. And I realize how important it is in the spring here. And it just means new life. And I agree. So thank you. Thank you as always. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to everyone for listening today. Um, as usual, you can find this show as well as all of our previous shows on Discover Rising Tides website, as well as the Discover Rising Tides YouTube station. I want to thank all the listeners. And if you um, have any questions, feel free. If you'd like to be on the show, we're always looking for guests. If you're a, a women business owner and you, you need the outdoors to maintain your life balance, um, please reach out. We will be more than happy to talk to you and about your business. I want to thank Linda today for our show. And everybody have a really great afternoon. Thank you.